Complex is sponsored by James Ochoa's book, Focus Forward, Navigating the Storms of Adult ADHD, and his training, Professional Trailblazing, A New Roadmap for Treating Adults with ADHD. You can find these, as well as James's virtual brainstorming Q&A meetups for adults with ADHD, ADHD Town Hall, on his website, jamesochoa.com. Hey everyone, welcome to episode one's Afterthoughts. I have James with me on the call here, and we will be discussing some of the topics that happened here in episode one. Um, James, first off, how excited are you for season two here? Well, sometimes I thought it was never going to happen. Uh, <laughs> and just when I thought it could happen, here came the pandemic, and so... Yeah. You know, like all of us, I was like, uh, okay. And I think this is our third take at trying to get to it. So here we are in October of 21. I think the script's been written for a year, right? So, yeah, uh, I think at least a year. Yeah. Right. We wrote right. it during but the I've, pandemic. But I'm super excited. I know there's a lot of folks that have asked for a season two. Uh, and I think they're, uh, they're in for a wild ride as usual, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a very fun season two, and I think it riffs off of a lot of great themes in uh, season one. However, one of the big changes that we saw in this season is that instead of having kind of episodic uh, visions into the different people in the mm -hmm. complex, right, where it was right. one person per episode, uh, we're seeing more of a group therapy session. Um, right. I, for one, really love this concept, both for a podcast as well as for normal therapy. Um, but I also realized that a lot of people may not even know that group therapy is a thing, right? Especially for people with ADHD. Um, what is your experience with doing group therapy sessions, either uh, for yourself or uh, for, you know, your clients? And how do you see that being, or, or what's the effectiveness of that for um, people in their therapy process? Well, it's a great question because if you look at group therapy as a model, right, it's a, it's a microcosm of society, so to speak, meaning you're going to have interactions and discussions with people in a way you might in your everyday life. Uh, and in this case, specifically about the challenges of ADHD and you know, mm -hmm. I, I ran I ran group therapies for almost for really over 20 years of my practice. I'm not currently running group therapies, uh, but I do have some plans for training and consultations and those type of things coming up and uh, something called an ADHD town hall, mm -hmm. uh, which will be a lot of fun. It's like a, I guess, a webinar group therapy. Um, but group therapy is a very effective model for people with ADHD because you can see what other people are going through. You mm -hmm. might learn from their challenges. You might learn from other people's strategies. But as you could imagine with the hyperactive impulsive aspects of ADHD <laughs> and some of their other aspects, it's a real challenge. And so there's skills I've had to learn over the years that I think I had to create out of nothing in some ways yeah. uh, for group. But group is a great model uh to help those with adhd do you think it's more effective for a particular type of adhd or a particular type of person um not 
Really not necessarily. I mean, because group is going to provide this structure, routine, and consistency. You can look at ongoing actions, as I would call directed actions that I would say when I was doing group, people would leave with things to focus on each week. Mm-hmm. And coming coming back, I mean, notoriously, right, there's a level of failure. I didn't look at my actions at all. I didn't think about them. Um, and so the learning really comes in tweaking the personal strategies, finding out where the breakdown point was uh, in anyone's, you know, directed actions. Well, you can imagine watching someone with ADD, watching someone else with ADD go through that. It's a really insightful kind of uh, issue for them that they can, one, they don't feel alone. Two, they may get ideas about their own strategies. Uh, But it's just a really effective way to kind of get conversation and discussion going uh, in a sense of camaraderie. But again, you've got the, uh, the hyperactive component is really active. So, and can really disrupt group therapy. So is it yeah. best for one type or another? It not really best maybe for one type or another, but it really does help with structure, routine, and consistency and kind of how to build that into your life around this. So that gives us actually a great opportunity to go back and listen to a clip from the episode because it gives us a good idea of what group therapy actually could be and i think it's a fairly uh real reenactment of of what group therapy actually is um so let's go ahead and take a listen back to what happened in the episode now that everyone is here we need some ground rules number one no sidebars and no interruption uh who is the unknown non-combatant on your left that's james James Ochoa, the finest ADHD counselor in all the galaxy. Oh, right. Uh, James Ochoa, LPC, is the... The man is perfectly capable of introducing himself. Hi, everyone. I'm James Ochoa. I've treated ADHD for 30 years. It's the only thing I've ever done, really. Uh, As a matter of fact, I have ADHD myself. I've seen the whole spectrum of ADHD. In fact, I'm seeing a lot of it right now, too. But the biggest struggle I've seen is the emotional and mental stress that spins off of living with ADHD. I call it the emotional distress syndrome. Observation. Uh, Although I do not have ADHD, I will participate, as agreed, 1,700 to 1,900 hours. 110 minutes remain. Uh, Thanks for keeping us on track, Crispy. All right, so in that clip, we hear a lot of discussion, right, and a lot of things being worked on. However, we also hear some interrupting, uh, and we hear some, you know, uh, talking over each other. Um, Is there a way in group therapy sessions like that, that especially if you're kind of a more quiet person, um, that you, you know, can still have your voice heard and that, you know, this interruption doesn't doesn't get in the way or, or even how do you manage that as a therapist? Well, it's I it's one of the very top challenges for doing group therapy for sure, uh, because the aspect of hyperactivity and impulsivity with on the ADHD spectrum, uh, particularly if you have an inattentive type of person with ADHD in the group who doesn't talk a lot or doesn't speak up and isn't naturally hyperactive or impulsive, mm-hmm. can be a huge issue with them getting time in group, right? So uh, I, it's kind of funny for me to even think that I'm going to. Uh, talk about this because over the years like i've said earlier i've had to develop certain ways of doing group or doing things that i feel like 
uh, I've had to create skills. And one of those skills is what I call professional interruption skills or PIS skills. Mm. <laughs> P-I-S is what I call them. And it's a way of interrupting someone where they don't feel interrupted. So you have to kind of go in with their own conversation and kind of trail with them or agree with them or grab it and then kind of move it somewhere else in the group or mm -hmm. kind of spin it off to kind of wrap it up into a directed action. It's quite a fine art. And in fact, with the uh, professional development training, uh, I'm getting ready to start in the uh, in the spring of 22. I'll be teaching other therapists and coaches how to do this. But it, it's interesting you would ask that because otherwise it certainly would ensue into chaos as you hear yeah. very quickly you know and it's hard to get something done and keep things uh on track for sure yeah so one of the things that happened in this group therapy session and uh this was specifically kind of a a dig at you james from myself <laughs> and robin when we were writing the the script um, but of course it was with your permission um it was when you you said bullet point and you kept saying bullet point with with every new point that you were making when you were writing yes. on on that uh whiteboard right so that is a right. very specific storm that you went through um that i'd like you to talk a little bit about of what it was how you got through it um and how it's it's uh could be pertinent to um you know everybody else's life of how you actually sure. get through really chaotic things like this yes and because i uh it actually took quite a bit of courage to say okay for you and robin to write <laughs> this into the script because i'm like okay i get to go back to one of my top professional embarrassments of all time and uh, the bottom line is some people may know who's listening who are listening to this may have uh, listened to that podcast um about my bullet point storm and so essentially when i audio recorded my book i wanted to do it myself uh, i got a professional engineer i took a couple of three or four voice lessons for training for reading but when i was reading my audiobook um i was inadvertently i say now just reading some of the um uh, some of the uh, the bullet points, so like the I'd punctuation, the, and the, and the would, formatting, yeah, right? the punctuation, yeah. exactly. I would go bullet point, uh, comma, and those kind of things. I think and, we'd also say like parentheses, right? <laughs> oh my god, it was okay. So with that, the fun, the the uh, the part behind it that is part of my own ADD was uh, I had never, for whatever reason gone back and looked at the comments on my um, audiobook. I had been watching it on Amazon and the sales, which have been great, and it continues to sell really well. Well, all the comments about the audio had this narration that was like two stars out of five. It was like people couldn't stand listening to it because they had no idea why I was doing yeah. the punctuation. <laughs> Oh my God. So of course I wanted to blame it on my engineer and I called my engineer and he's like, no, I gave you examples. <laughs> uh, and I somehow insisted on, so bottom line is I had my engineer go back and edit it. So the audiobook is clean now. It does not have that in it. Yeah. But the insight was with my older son, Gabe, I was talking to him about my incredibly embarrassing professional story. I mean, I got some horrific comments for good reason, unfortunately. Um, 
And he said, well, dad, you did medical records recording, which I did for notes, clinical notes for years. And in those, you have to say punctuation for the, for the typist. Mm. So I know that's where the reference point came from. Yeah. Um, the storm of the courage to talk about that openly as a professional expert with ADHD doing something really so just insanely, uh, it wasn't fun at all. Um, that courage is what we need with ADHD to be able to stand in front of our mistakes, our, our uh, challenges when we, when we miss disorganize something or forget something. And that's a resilience factor we all need. Mm -hmm. How do you get it? You learn over time to own your mistakes quickly or be responsible for them. Laugh at yourself can be helpful, but uh, it's very difficult because for many people with ADHD, it kicks up such a shame factor and such an embarrassment factor that they just shut down, run away. Yeah. Uh, so I've learned over the years how to stand in front of them. And that's really one of the key spaces to really managing ADHD and the stress from it. And and here I am. I'm managing it again because I'm, we're talking about a bullet point storm here. So <laughs> that's kind of the summary behind it. But it's it was quite a bullet point storm. It was quite yeah. a, it was quite <laughs> a, an emotional distress storm, to say the least. Yeah. Well, it like you were saying, it takes a lot of courage to be able to talk about something like that. Um, yeah. And and it takes a lot of that courage because it's scary, right? Because there's a right. lot of I mean, you did something wrong and, and like you, you messed up in a really bad way. Um, so you, you've kind of hit on it a little bit, but how, how did you just sit in that scariness kind of place of needing to be brave and have courage and come out with this, um, you know, mistake that happened? How did you well, just sit in that and, and still come out okay <laughs> i don't know that i said very comfortably sure in it um it would also pull up a strategy or an idea of what i call as a pot of support so you know i've got three to five people that are incredibly close to me that have known me for years and you can guarantee i was on the phone talking to them about my just i was just an asinine mistake is what i call it yeah it was just like how could i've done that and I just had to process that through. So that was part of it was reaching out to my pot of support. But, you know, the biggest hit for me was I'm, professionally, I felt like I was creating distress for people who already were distressed. Mm. And I'm like, oh, my God, I've added <laughs> to the someone's storms yeah, with ADHD, wow. uh, unfortunately. Um, but I think that, you know, many people are forgiving and many people can be compassionate in owning that. And so. How do you do that? You tell stories about it. Uh, it becomes a foundation of resilience of like, okay, yes, we all make mistakes. These things happen. And it's, so it's the human factor. And I think I've learned to accept more of my human factor on an ongoing basis. And certainly I've talked about another model, which is the acceptance of ADHD and the challenges that come from it are not a one-time event. It's an ongoing evolution mm -hmm. uh, that you need to accept different aspects of ADHD because it's a developmental issue, right? It goes throughout yeah. your life. It doesn't go away. Um, and so you have to learn how to do it. How did I do it's practice. It's having a support group around me. Um, it's doing a little bit at a time, but it, the, the, the sitting in it was not very comfortable. Okay. Yeah. It was absolutely, I could, I think I read 
uh, Mayday, Mayday, the section of Focus Forward about what to do when you're in the, a monster storm several times, mm-hmm. even during that period. So, I mean, I hope that helps people to understand that you can do it and you can learn to manage it. Yeah, that makes total sense. Um, that does bring up another topic, though, that we saw in the first episode here, um, which was a moment where everyone got super scared at one particular, or I guess two particular words that were mentioned. So um, let's go ahead and listen to that clip real quick. Oh, let's see. Come clean to mom, get out of debt, and complete, did you say 80 credit hours? I know this sounds nearly impossible, but I've seen adults with ADHD accomplish incredibly difficult things. The key really is coming up with personal strategies. In this case, I'd say we need to help Amanda strategize around how she personally relates to time management. <gasps> no, no, you didn't. I don't get it. What's so scary about time management? <laughs> okay, so here we see everybody, except I will note Crispy, except for Crispy, right. we hear everybody gasping and and terrified at the idea of time management right right and this idea of like hyper structure and uh but i don't i don't think time management has to be like a, a hyper structured thing right um no, but that's what it i think is typically um seen as for someone with adhd maybe because that's how it's been uh conveyed to them or that's how it's been forced right. upon them uh in some instance of their life right so um, yeah. We were already kind of talking about how do you approach things that are scary? How do you sit in something that's uncomfortable? Um, right. Relate that to, t- to time management. Obviously, time management is something that is needed in life in some instances, yeah. at, at the very least. Um, but how do you approach that with someone with ADHD um, to try and incorporate it in their life more? Well, with all right, so time management, it starts with, if you look at the diagnosis of ADHD, right, we've got an underactivity and executive functioning or a, a difference in processing element of the executive functioning of the mind, which one of those is, is planning. And, and part of planning is time orientation and time management. So it is challenged just from the diagnosis and from the uh, neurological differences of ADHD as a component. The second thing that really lobs onto it is the vast majority of what time management is, is built in what would be considered more of a linear model or someone who doesn't have ADHD. And someone with ADHD is supposed to morph their way toward that time management structure. And it's just, it's insane. You just can't do that. Yeah. Okay. And I don't know how many, probably millions of dollars now, people with ADHD have spent on time management courses that are not customized or manageable or flexible in a way that they can use. Mm -hmm. And I say that because, so when someone with ADHD looks at time management, they have to personalize time management. You're going to hear me talk about personalizing strategies in thousands of ways. But with time management, you have to orient to how you see and orient the time. And so uh, many people will do things like, well, it you know, it takes me as long to fold my clothes as it does kind of an episode of some TV show I watch. So they have some reference to kind of how long something might take them. Uh, But they use different strategies to manage their time. 
And as you saw with Crispy, uh, he hyper-focuses that time management into such a rigid structure mm-hmm. that in many ways that rigidity becomes a problem because it is so tight. There's no uh, uh, flexibility or plasticity to it. There's no, there's no, you know, you can't go off that schedule. Right. Um, and so there really is the space of time management in which you personalize kind of how you see time, uh, how you look at your week, how I, like if I look at my own exercise schedule, I think about how I exercise in certain modes or models of interest. And I exercise right now on Monday and Tuesday and Thursday and Friday. How long will that last me? Uh, and how long do I manage that, you know, from uh, keeping it on my schedule? I don't know, but I'm not going to, uh, you know, try to force myself into having to do that for three years right. or for a year or for it's got to be every. So if I don't feel like it one day or it starts to change and I want to go row instead of swimming, which is what I'm doing now, then I'll go do that. But time management is just such a stress model because the diagnosis has so much of the symptoms in it. And to the linear process of saying, uh, go take a time management strategy or those kind of things. Mm-hmm. It's not how people with ADHD need to be able to see time. Yeah. Well, that brings up a really um, great part of the episode, I think, that when we were talking to Amanda about her time management strategies and, and how to customize um, different right. ways of her, uh, you know, sitting down and studying or um, doing things that she needs to for school or, you know, things like that. And she she came up with the strategy of Velcroing herself to a chair. Um, <laughs> yes. Right. Which obviously is is probably very impractical. Um but it's something, right? It's it could be something. Well, but uh, but as you saw, that brainstorming and creativity and fun led her to an answer. Mm-hmm. So you have to, with ADHD, you have to allow yourself that kind of uh, flexibility or that kind of idea with other people that it feels safe around to do, who aren't going to criticize you or tell you it's crazy. Yeah, but that allow you to kind of roll through it and like then something popped out for her right she's like oh my gosh that's right do you find that that happens more in a group therapy setting that like people have more especially if everybody's adhd there do you find that you know you kind of get more high quality ideas and strategies out of it for everybody just because you have more sounding boards there Yes, particularly when you make it a safe environment where someone doesn't feel like they're going to be criticized or demeaned or said, oh, my God, that's a crazy idea. That's never going to work. Um, So people with ADHD will have that sense of creativity and fun. And within groups, it was one of the, uh, I guess, the funner aspects to me of doing group for so many years for people with ADHD was that fun kind of uh, aspect of laughter and coming up with something like that. But it's knowing that, you know, the insight aspect of the mind uh, works toward that kind of brainstorming where you're thinking things out, but you have to be in a safe environment to feel that. Yeah. So it's a, it's a great component within people with ADHD and those who can, again, build a pot of support around them to kind of do this brainstorming, to look for that kind of insight about you know, using what I call open-ended questions to kind of think about how could I do that in a way I haven't thought about? 
wonder how I could manage time. Mm. And when you use those open-ended questions like that, the mind really gravitates toward insight and action of these kind of epiphanies or pops that are like, oh my God, I never thought about this. Mm -hmm. And that's what happened for Amanda. Yeah, I love that because especially, so if people don't know, I have uh, a behavioral background. So I always like relating um, the strategies and everything that James is talking about here uh, to more behavioral terms, which, you know, you can take either one. They're both accurate. They're both talking about things that actually work. Um, but right. in terms of the open-ended questions, I absolutely love that because you have to behave in order to get things to fall out, if that makes sense, right? In right. order to get things to happen. Um, you have to do something. You have to exactly. do something. And a lot of times just thinking or like talking to yourself in your mind won't yes. do that for you, right? Like you can get right. some, you can get some insights from that and you can get um, some analysis of a certain situation, but it is so right. much more effective to actually overtly behave, to, to talk it out, to, to uh, right. ask open-ended questions or to, you know, do various things like that. Um, to actually, you know, find these these fun things that will right, actually to find work. the insights. Yeah. I mean, I talk about a walk and talk method. Mm -hmm. I see people pace who have ADHD to kind of think things out. So that somatic part of the body, the physical part of the moving helps them to kind of get things rolling. Yeah. All those are things. But if you feel like you're going to be chastised or criticized or those kind of things are looked at as weird, mm -hmm. you're not strong enough to understand and tell people, oh, this is how I do it. And you're clear and conscious and courageous about it. It can be a real bear because it'll shut you down very quickly. Yeah. And you'll, you just, you just shudder in a, a sense of panic or a sense of, of, you know, freezing and not being able to think. And the yeah. mind just really goes offline under that kind of stress even further. Yeah. And to the, add uh, challenges with ADHD. Right. And to add to that too, it's going to be really important for people to realize not only when they're in a context where they don't feel safe to to talk about their ideas and, and do this kind right. of stuff, um, but also when they're in a context where there might be an expectation to say something in particular. Right. So if yeah. I'm like at a super fancy dinner, I'm going to have a much, I'm going to have an expectation in my mind of talking a particular way. Um, right. and that's not, that's also not going to be conducive to getting these kinds of insights or getting these kinds of like natural things that really resonate no, because you're not, right? yeah, you're not relaxed. You're not right. in, 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 a, in an easy. So, you know, cause you know, one of the things I talk about also uh, that's in focus forward is something called strategic therapeutic daydreaming, you know, so you're kind of daydreaming or thinking of things in your mind in an imaginary kind of way that can help and resource you and really feel good. But it's a great place to use this open-ended questions. Right. You know, you could create, uh, there's a, a component, you know, called a mental support group where you create people that you could brainstorm with in your own mind's eye. And so you could walk around, you know, and talk to those people in your own mind's eye in your mental support group and, and brainstorm open-ended questions for time management or really anything in the, in the issues of ADHD. But, those are just really fun, creative, unusual, but active ways of going about managing ADHD that really can help long term. Yeah. Perfect. Well, 
Thank you so much for talking with me today, James. I hope everyone enjoyed this Afterthoughts for episode one of season two. We will be yes. having six uh, six total episodes for season two here. So we'll be having five more. Um, but yes. in the interim, while these episodes are coming out, if you want to find out more information on the resources James has for ADHD, feel free to go to his website, jamesochoa.com, and you'll be able to find all the information you could possibly want there. Uh, and you can also go follow him on social media, Twitter and Facebook, if you would like. Yeah, we've got some we've got some great things coming up next year that I'm really looking forward to. So I just had to because it's like I'm so excited about some things I'm I'm doing next year. Uh, and, Perfect. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun, Jules. Awesome. Well, I can't wait to hear about them in the future afterthoughts that we'll be doing here in these uh, next five episodes. So with and, that, uh, and by the way, that was a great example of my professional interruption skills. Just I saying. can yes. <laughs> this is a perfect <laughs> a perfect example of episode 1 here live for y'all to listen to. Yes. Um anyway, with that, thank you all so much for listening and we will see you next time. The Complex is produced and directed by Jules Ochoa and co-written by Jules Ochoa and Robin Chatsanoff. Amanda was played by Marina Diopedraza. Ramon Berkowitz, a.k.a. Genius Boy, was played by Noel Gallen. Jessica was played by Robin Grace Soto. Bernard was played by Tom Doyle. Crispy was played by John Brickley. Jade was played by Gus Dexheimer. Jules played Jules. And James Ochoa played himself. Mm -hmm.